We're starting a new series today called Lost and Found. And right there at the bottom, kind of hidden in the waves, is this little hidden message that we're going to be uh, looking at today that God never gives up. He never gives up on us, no matter where we are, no matter how lost we may be, or in our uh, circumstance found ourselves, he will never give up on us. So in two weeks, man, invite your friends to be here with you. And if you have not been baptized in water, or if it, like, maybe you were baptized as a child. We have a lot of people in our community who were baptized as infants. It wasn't really like your decision or choice to say, hey, I want to make this decision about being baptized in water. We would love to see you baptized. And so next Sunday, Pastor Ken will be leading in a baptism class right immediately after service. And by the way, this is for kids as well. Um, I know in my own story, I probably was about eight or nine years old when I just started asking my parents about like, man, what is water baptism all about? I'd seen other people be baptized in water. And I just knew it had been just like growing in my young spirit. And so I talked to my parents about it and I was baptized in water, eight or nine years old. I think there's a lot of kids that that can be a very significant part in their story. So I know that next week they're also gonna be talking in Safari Kids about water baptism. So parents, be sensitive to that. Um, and uh, maybe even talk this week to your kids about being baptized in water because we'd love to see a bunch of kids get baptized in water if they have not yet done so. Yeah? Praise the Lord. Question for you. Have you ever lost something that was important? Have you ever lost something that was of real value? I think all of us probably have. I remember... There was uh, man, a story from several years ago with Kelly and I, but we wanted to take a video of our kids when they were just really little. They, they were young. And, uh, you know, it's like now parents do that all the time because, duh, we have smartphones, right? Everybody just takes out their little iPhone or whatever, and, and they just, you know, capture this, the most precious moments of their children's lives, or some, they're very mundane moments in their children's lives, some, the worst moments of their children's lives, and they put it on Instagram for us to watch, or TikTok, or whatever, right? It's just all out there for the world to see, but back in the day, oh my goodness, Back in the day, we had to go through all kinds of work to video our kids and capture their, you know, special moments because we didn't have iPhones. In fact, the iPhone came out, as a little reminder, didn't come out until 2007. And video on iPhone actually wasn't introduced until 2009. The same year my young, my eldest child turned 18, right? So like... We lost all of those cute childhood, you know, uh, you know, little memories and things like that. Very, very few captured on video. So we wanted to take a video of our kids. And our friend, Kathy, who some of you ladies I know have met. Hi, Kathy. She watches faithfully every Sunday from Southern California. So Kathy lent us her camcorder. And I know some of you are like, what's a camcorder? <laughs> I have no... So I, I got a picture of one to show you. That is an old school 1990s 
camcorder. And you know what? They were expensive. All it did was take video, right? But it was as expensive as like the nicest iPhones today. So it kind of gives you a, a picture. I mean, these were, these were expensive. And man, they didn't even make phone calls, right? <laughs> Dang. So Kathy had one. And she was kind enough to lend one to us so we could go on this little video excursion. So we go to the park. And we have this great time. We're crawling around and we're videoing the kids. And we're just having a great time. And it starts to get dark. So we take our kids over to the van. And, you know, we set everything, all the park stuff down outside the van. And we're loading kids into car seats, and it's dark, and you know, we're like, get in, we gotta get home. So we pick stuff up. We thought we had everything. You know where this story is going. We get home, and we're unloading stuff, and it's like, where's the camera? Camera was gone. Run back to the park, thinking, well, surely it will still be there. Oh, no, no. Somebody else found this very expensive camera and thought, man, it's my lucky day. And by the way, I've got these videos of these beautiful little kids also. That was bonus, bonus footage. That was a very expensive loss. And Kathy was very kind, but yeah, we forked it over to buy Kathy a new camcorder uh, because... Well, it was the right thing to do because we lost it. And it was a very expensive loss. As many of the losses in our life tend to be. Man, we can experience all kinds of loss and a lot of the loss we experience doesn't really have a dollar figure attached to it. There's deeper loss, all kinds of more significant loss and Every single one of us experienced different kinds of loss. And God knows this. Jesus cares about our loss. In fact, if you're in our SM4 260 reading plan, we're, as a church, we're reading through the New Testament, one chapter a day, Monday through Friday, all together. You can get one of these out in the lobby, or you can just go online, sm4.org slash 260, and uh, download the reading plan and just read along with us. You don't even have to catch up. Just start where we are. Uh, this next week, we're going to be jumping into Acts. But last week, it was a week ago Friday, if you were reading along with us, we read Luke 15, which is a story, it, it, it's actually Jesus telling three stories about loss and about being found. Because Jesus cares so much about loss and the restoration that we can experience in him that he tells three stories in one chapter. And I'm not gonna stand here and read to you the entire chapter because I invited some friends to read this chapter and we could listen and we could read along and hear all three of these stories. So read along and let's pay attention to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable Suppose one of you 
has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me! I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off to a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad 
because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And he was lost, but was found. So good. So did you catch the three stories? The story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost coin, and then the story of the lost son. And maybe something that you kind of didn't catch unless you were reading last week and then were maybe reminded of that today is this, is that each of the stories gets progressively worse in the loss. Each of the losses becomes more significant as Jesus develops each of these three stories. I want you to think about this. In the first story, guy's got a hundred sheep and one of them runs off, right? I mean, this is a 1% loss. You know, it's kind of like the shepherd could have just said, well, I think I can afford it because I got 99 other sheep. And by the way, this was the dumb one who wandered off anyway. I've been kind of looking for a way to get rid of that one. You know, it's like we could kind of justify, you know, if, uh, if, if that was, you know, happening there because it's just a 1% loss, but that's not what happens. Shepherd goes after him. But in the second story, it says that this woman had 10 silver coins and those coins in that day, the silver coins, they represented about one day's wages. And, and so she lost 10% of all of her resource and reserves. This could have been her life savings, maybe a wedding gift or something, but it was, it was very important to her, very precious to her. And she lost 10%, like, oh my gosh, I had 10 and I only have nine. So it becomes a more significant loss. And then in the third story, this father, he's only got two sons and one of them runs off. So immediately he has lost 50% like of his children. So it goes from 1% to 10% to 50% loss. Plus the son took half of his money, right? And resource out the door with him. So I mean, this was a very significant 50% loss is Jesus telling the story. And, and of course, the third story is also much more significant in the loss because it was the loss of relationship more than anything else. Listen, a sheep, we can probably get another sheep. Those 99, they're gonna make more baby sheep. They're gonna be some more lambs that are gonna be born. Woman loses one out of 10 coins. Well, guess what? She, she can still work and earn that coin back. But when we have relational loss, when we lose relationship, especially with a family member, but even the loss of a friendship, the loss of relationship with someone we, we care deeply about, I mean, it can break our hearts. We can experience so many different kinds of loss in our lives. And in these stories, I think Jesus is unpacking kind of some of the range of loss that might be experienced in our lives. Let's talk about 
talk about the kind of loss that we can experience that are reflected in these stories. In the, in the first story, let's take it from the perspective of the sheep, because we know what the shepherd lost, right? He lost 1% of his flock. But think about from the perspective of the sheep, what the sheep lost when it ran away. It lost its safety, because it was no longer under the protection and covering of the shepherd. And it lost the safety of just being one of a hundred sheep. You know, because there is safety in numbers. And man, if that wolf comes or, you know, that bobcat comes creeping down out of, out of the, the hills, come after one, man, at least I've got a fighting chance if there's a hundred of us, right? Maybe I can be at least quicker than the slowest sheep. It's like there's safety in, in numbers, right? And so it lost that. And not only was it lost to the shepherd and lost to the flock, it was lost to itself. It had no idea where it was. It had no idea how to get home. It was absolutely exposed to all of the elements and to all of those predators that could come you know, around at any moment and discover it there. It, it completely lost its safety. And I want you to make no mistake, when Jesus was telling about the lost sheep, his entire audience, because it said that there were sinners that had come to hang out with Jesus, you know, people that had walked far from God. And then it says that there was like these Pharisees, these religious leaders. Well, listen, I'm telling you, in that day and context, every single one of them would have immediately in their minds, because they'd all been raised with the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, and they all would have remembered immediately what the prophet Isaiah had said. Because this is what Isaiah said in Isaiah 53, 6. He had said this, all of us, <laughs> like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. All of us. It's like, he, he, when, so when Jesus is telling that story, Jesus is reminding them that it's like, oh no, you are not one of the 99 who hung out and remained you know, in, that, in that safety of that, of that pasture. No, it's like all of us are found in this story. All of us are found in the fact that we have all strayed. There's not one of us who hasn't strayed. And so Jesus is reminding them that all of us can be found in this story. All of us have lost the safety of being under God's covering. What did the woman lose? Well, that, that's probably the most obvious in all three stories, but she lost resource. She lost something of, of real, tangible value that was now gone. And so she puts on this full court press search for the lost coin. You listen, in, in archaeology, if you ever studied history or whatever, people lost coins a lot. I mean, that was, that was their money. But when you think about even how their homes would have been built or stores and everything, you know, a lot of it might have been like cobblestone, you know, stones stacked together and there's dirt down in between there. You know, there's a lot of dirt. And so, man, when, that, when a coin hits the floor, good luck finding it. 
Because how easy would it be for it to go, ding, 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 you know, and like bury itself down in some crack between some rocks. It's not like today where, you know, you drop a coin or my wife drops puzzle pieces on the ground. And, you know, after a couple minutes, you can pretty much find anything you drop on the ground. Not this lady. Not this lady because she dropped it and it would have been an earthen type floor or some rocks. And it could very quickly be gone. And what she lost was so valuable and important to her, 10% of her resource. But then when we get to the third story, oh my gosh, there is so much loss embedded into this story. The father, the father lost one of his two sons. What about the older brother? The older son lost his only brother. And yet it's the younger son who, as we see this story and we just think about all of the loss that he experienced, it was the younger son who lost the most. In fact, I was very interested in like thinking about the word prodigal because if you've heard this story before, you might have heard to it referred to as the prodigal son. And I'm like, prodigal, prodigal, that's not a, that's not a word that I use very often, right, in my, uh, in my common everyday speech. Hey, got any prodigal things going on in your life? So it's not a word I use very much, and so I looked it up, and my assumption was that the word prodigal would mean runaway, right? It's the one that kind of like ran off. That is not what the word means, and it's probably why we don't use it very often, or maybe when we use it, Kelly and I were saying, I think we've used it incorrectly, because we always like assumed it just meant, oh, like the one who ran off. That is not what prodigal means. You know what prodigal means? Recklessly wasteful. Recklessly wasteful. It says that he took half of his father's possession, all of this accumulated wealth, Maybe even generational wealth. Because right in that culture, man, that father, his father probably had gotten wealth from his father. And his father got, I mean, so we're talking generational wealth. And the son takes half of it and recklessly wastes it. But not only did he recklessly waste, like, money, but he recklessly wasted his life. So what did he lose? I've noted several things in thinking about this. Number one, he lost his self-respect. Here I am, like I'm, I'm like one of two sons of this, this dad, and as we keep reading the story and later we see about the party, I mean, this is probably a man of some influence, some wealth. Man, not only did I just blow through money, but man, I have ended up now starving and slopping the pigs, which in that culture would have been like the lowest of the low of the low, because Jews and pigs didn't get along, right? It was kind of like a a no-go zone. But he was so low, and so he lost his self-respect. He also lost his reputation. And even, oh, it's like everybody, everybody now knows my story. Everyone knows And even the friends that I used to party with have now disappeared. It's what it says in the story. 
trying to find all these people that he's just been, you know, doing all his wild living. And they're just like, we know your story, pig boy. <laughs> he lost his reputation. He lost his good name, right? He lost his good name because he knew that he would forever be identified now as this stupid loser who even smelled like the pig slop. He lost his wealth, right? I just blew through half of everything that it took my father a lifetime to build. And in just one season, I blew it all. He lost his righteousness. What does righteousness mean? Well, we're gonna talk more about this a little bit in the next couple of weeks as we kind of keep diving deeper and deeper into this, these stories. But righteousness has to do with something that God gifts us with, his righteousness. And so when we sin, we're just like trampling all over that. And so he sinned against God. He sinned against his father and he, he even sinned really against himself by the choices that he was making. He lost his righteousness. And he lost his family. You can just kind of put yourself in this kid's position the choices that he'd make. And you can just imagine his self-talk. Like, how could I ever look my father in the eyes again? He lost relationship with his family. And we, we wonder, I, I wonder, all of us experience all kinds of these losses, whether it's of resource, whether it's of our reputation, whether it's of our righteousness, whether it's of relationship. How does God look at all of that? So I think we, we imagine that God kind of looks at us in our loss and recklessly wasting our lives, recklessly wasting our opportunities, recklessly wasting the time treasure and talent that God has given us. And we probably imagine God just like hating on us. You know, like, oh man, that is, I, I created that person? What was I thinking? You know, it's like we, we really could imagine that God is just like so ticked with us. I can't believe it, man. When they lost last time, didn't they learn their lesson and now here they are losing again? going back to those same areas of loss in their lives. But what we discover consistently over and over in God's word is that that is not what God thinks about us, even in our worst moments of pain and of loss. And there are people in this room, well, all of us have experienced loss. There's people right here right now that if I were to ask you, are you experiencing loss right now? You would say, absolutely. Some of it's quite profound. I love how David in the Psalms reflects on this. 
He doesn't use the word lost, but it's woven throughout what he says in Psalm 34, verses 18 and 19. I want you to just meditate on this for a moment, how God views us even in our worst moments of pain and loss. David wrote and said, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Maybe we have that scripture. If not up there, I will read it to you. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles. We could say this, even the righteous person experiences all kinds of loss. But the Lord comes to the rescue each time, every time. That is the God whom we serve. And that is found within these stories, each of these three stories. Here's what we discover over and over through Luke chapter 15 is this truth. Listen to this. God never gives up. God never gives up on us. Ever, 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 ever. God never gives up. Man, sometimes we give up. Sometimes we turn our back on him. Sometimes we find that, man, I have just been prodigal in this area of my life. I have been recklessly wasting all that God's given me. God never gives up. God never gives up. And I love the word that is found a couple of different places and really inferred in more places in this in, in these stories, and it's the word until. Until. I want you to listen to what, what we read in this story. Let me just remind you of some of the things that were shared with us. In the first story of the lost sheep, in verse four, it says this. It says, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep. What? Until he finds it. I need, I need a little more help. I need, let's read that again. What does the shepherd do? Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep? Until. Come on, over here, a little louder. Until. Until he finds it. He never gives up. He's out there. And, and by the way, this is not three stories about searching. Not, not three stories about searching. Because when you think about it, in the first two, you could kind of say, man, are all three stories about God searching? Listen, God doesn't need to search. He knows right where we are. And he knows right where those lost things are. They're out of our possession. He is not searching because he knows where we are, but you know what these are, all three stories are about? Pursuing. Pursuing. Have a heart 
that never gives up, a hope that is never diminished, no matter how significant the loss. It is about this pursuit. And he pursues until, listen, there is full restoration of all that was lost. In the second story, this woman loses this 10% of her resource. And in verse 8, it says this, doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully? Come on, everybody, until she finds it. She never gives up. This is a reflection of God's heart. I am going to keep pursuing until that is restored, until that wealth, that resource is restored. And then, listen, in the, in the story of the lost son, the word until does not appear, but it does. It just is in a different form. Because in verse 20, the son is gone and has a change of heart, but the dad doesn't, like, he hasn't home yet. But in verse 20, we read this. While he was still a long way off. Who? The prodigal son. The recklessly wasteful son who had squandered his life, squandered all this resource. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. Guess what? This dad was watching. He was waiting. He wasn't like, turn my back on that idiot son of mine. That loser, that piggy smelling prodigal, wasteful son. He didn't have this like anger. No, he was watching the road. I will never give up hope till that son comes around the corner until our family can be restored. It's about restoration. It's about consistently, faithfully, persistently believing that restoration is possible. Listen, where God is involved, restoration is always possible until we breathe our last. I will never give up. I will never, ever give up my pursuit of that thing of value. Kaylin, would you join me real quick? Kaylin has a, a little story. It's kind of a family story. Uh, something that happened just a few weeks before she got married last year. And uh, it, was, uh, it was pretty dramatic. Um, it was a few weeks before you got married. I remember this very well because your mom and I were home. You'd been out running errands. And uh, you came home, she was still living at home, she goes into a room, and I hear this sound come from her room. And it was one of those sounds that like a parent's heart just tanks when you hear this kind of sound. Because I could tell she was not angry. I could tell you were not sad I could tell by the sound that my daughter was in full-blown distress. It was like, oh, no. So what had you discovered upon returning home a few weeks before you got married? I discovered, oh. 
I discovered that I had lost my engagement ring. Holy mackerel. This beautiful engagement ring that my fiance had designed specifically uh, for me. Um, and it had fallen off of my finger somewhere. Yeah. When you discovered that, you made a sound. Uh, I'm pretty sure I called for my mom. <laughs> what did you, what, what were you feeling? If you just kind of take us back to that moment, what, what did, what did you feel, um, during, during those moments? Instant, uh, desperation. Yeah. Um, I was so distraught, um, and I just had no idea what to do because I knew that I had just come back from running errands, and I had been all over town, and I didn't remember the last time it was on my finger, and so I just could not imagine what I was going to do. Yeah, it was, it was distressing. So Kelly and I look at each other. Kelly runs into a room to find out what's going on. Uh, she was the first one there, and so she, she runs in. Immediately, I hear Kelly praying, which, man, I love that, because, man, when we discover loss, man, the best place to turn is to Jesus. And then Kelly and Kaylin start tearing apart that room. I mean, I'm hearing things flying, hitting the walls. I mean, you know, and so I'm like, I'm not going in that room. Um, so I'm like, let me help retrace the steps. And so she had just come home. Her car was in the driveway. So I'm out. I grab the biggest flashlight, like, that we possess. And, you know, it's dark. It's already dark outside. And I'm like, you know, from the front door all the way to the car door, no ring. Open, open up the car. I search every, I mean, you know, like when you're crawling upside down, getting your eyeballs underneath the seats of the car, you're going through like, could it, you know, anywhere came up empty. So I'm like the trunk, you know, who knows, right? Let's, let's give it a chance. Pop the trunk. It's got some stuff in there. And I'm like the lady that lost the coin, right? I've got the light out. I didn't bring a broom, but I mean, I pulled stuff out. I'm going through every nook and cranny of the trunk. Nothing. No ring. So I go back in the house and take over the store. I'm weeping and searching everywhere that I can look. I've searched through the garbage can. I've gone through my purse several times. My mom's gone through it several times. Um, and I'm just bawling and have no idea what to do next. My dad has looked at the car. I decide I'll go look in the car one more time because I, I know exactly where I was in the car and how I did, loaded things in the trunk. So I went to the car couldn't find it anywhere in the car either until I opened up the trunk again. And I don't know if God placed it there. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. Um, but my ring was on the very edge of the trunk, like right where you close it. Like right where the rubber gasket is that yeah. kind of seals the trunk? Exactly. And it was sitting there, 
and my heart just like dropped and I was like so utterly relieved that it was right there. And I didn't have to go search all over town trying to find it randomly. (laughs) Isn't God good? Isn't God good? And man, you went from terror and despair to just utter thankfulness. And the next week, they went and got the ring resized. Yeah. <laughs> so they were also really wise. Thank you. Will you say thank you to Pastor Kaylin? The Lord cares about our losses. Psalm 34, 18, 19, I want to read it again. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. I know Kalen experienced that big time. What loss have you experienced that may be still lingering in your story? What loss maybe are you in the middle of right now? Not only does God know about it, but he cares deeply about it. And he will never give up pursuing you and working towards full restoration in your story. The end of Luke chapter 15 is very interesting because the way Jesus tells the story, I mean, he's the master storyteller. He tells those three stories and you think it's maybe over, but it's not over. In fact, he, he gives it this cliffhanger ending because we actually don't know how the story resolves because you might remember as we heard that read to us that there's the older brother And the dad begins throwing this like lavish party because my son who was lost is found. Like he was dead and is now back to life. We are going to party. And if you want to hear more about that, come back next week because we're going to dive in to the God who parties. We are. It's going to be good. But listen, but there's this older brother and it says that he was angry. He was angry at his father for throwing a party for this loser brother of mine who like left us and squandered half of our family's resource. Totally messed up his life. Recklessly wasteful. He's angry. He's angry at his brother. He's angry at his father. He turns around and I'm going to this stupid party. And I just wonder how many of us, when we experience loss, are like that older brother? Do we become actually angry at God because of our loss? Sometimes our losses are self inflicted. You know, sometimes we're like that sheep who wandered away. Like all of us, it says. All of us are like sheep who've strayed, gone away. All of us. So all of us have points in our life where we have been that prodigal, right? That one who has recklessly wasted our lives and resource. 
All of us have been there. And it was self-inflicted loss. But then there's this other story in the middle. It's the story of the woman with the coin. You know what? And it was not the coin's fault that it got lost. It just happened. It wasn't intentional. Nobody ran off. It was just like one of those things that happen in life where we experience loss. And really, it was no one's fault, but man, it still hurts. But I've met so many people and heard and read their stories as well of people who, when they experience loss, man, they are so angry with God. You could have stopped this. You call yourself a good God. They get angry. They find themselves in that place like that older brother. And we're gonna be exploring this more over the next couple of weeks. But I think Jesus intentionally leaves the story open-ended because he wants us to find ourselves in the story. We never know, did that brother actually like have a change of heart? We see that even this angry older brother that the father never gave up even pursuing him because he never gives up. He never gives up, not just on the prodigal son, the younger son, but he never gives up on this older son either. It says he goes after him pleading with him. He never gives up pursuing until restoration is found, but then Jesus never finishes the story. We never find out what happens with that older brother because we find ourselves in that story. And I believe that Jesus left the story that way so each of us would reflect and say, am I gonna be someone who just becomes angry and bitter at God because of the loss that I've experienced? Whether I did it myself or whether it was just something that happened in life. Or am I going to hear his heart and that he is close to the brokenhearted and those who are crushed in spirit. And that when I turn towards him, that I will discover what that younger brother discovered and that he's just been waiting. He had never given up on me to restore all that the enemy had taken from me, everything that I had lost. So the story is ours to end and to write our own story about how we will respond to God even at the places of our lives where we've had the greatest loss. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus. Man, speaking on Luke chapter 15 after we've been in this crazy couple of years of so much loss, challenging because man even those of us who have really not thought in terms of the loss we've experienced oh my goodness when we think about these last couple of years all of us have lost things some have lost health some have lost loved ones some have lost jobs We've all lost some freedoms along the way that we had never anticipated. 
It's all loss. What are we going to do with that, Lord? Do we become bitter, angry people? Angry at the world, angry at you? Or God, do we turn to you and find that you are always there for us, always ready to rescue, always able and willing to restore? So Jesus, we find ourselves at this moment of, Lord, needing to wrestle through this and come with some conclusions in our own stories. Lord, may we turn to you. May we turn to you and be rescued and found. In just a moment, we're gonna have our prayer ministry team come forward and they're gonna be available at the end of this message to pray with anyone who just wants to partner with someone and just receive ministry and be cared for. And in fact, I believe we have someone in the courtyard as well who's gonna be out there just to pray and to minister for those out in the courtyard. But I wanna ask a question first before we break up this beautiful gathering. And that is this, have you turned to the Father? Have you like come to the end of your loss and said, no, I realize and recognize that like that young, younger son, that I don't know how this is going to end yet. And I'm a bit terrified of what's gonna happen. I don't even know how I would look my father in the eyes. But I'm realizing now that it is only in his presence that I'm going to have the possibility of restoration of my broken story. And if that's you, I'm telling you, Jesus is waiting. He loves you. He is here for you. And he is just pleading, come home. Come to me and experience restoration. Restoration that you never even imagined was possible is possible in me. And if that's you, if you wanna just turn right now to Jesus and experience his forgiveness, his grace, and his restorative power begin working in your life, oh, would you just say, yes, that's me. Yes, bro, yes. Anybody else, anybody else to say, that's me. I need to turn to him right now, right now. Yeah, man, I, yeah, look up at me just for a second so we can just catch eyes. Yes, yes. Anybody out in the courtyard, just wave, I'm looking. God sees it when we reach out to him. He is waiting to rescue and restore. God, we are so grateful, Lord, for your love for your patience and your endurance with us. And we can live such broken lives, such recklessly wasteful lives, but God, we are grateful for you. In Jesus' name, (laughs) amen, 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 amen. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Hey, in just a moment, we're gonna dismiss, and I just, I, 
I, you know, like that, that father that went after that older son. I am pleading with you. I am pleading with you. Do not be people who rush out the doors like somehow in and out is going to close if you don't get there in the next 10 minutes. <laughs> They're not. Get, receive prayer. Receive ministry. There is something so vital and important in our walk with the Lord about partnering with someone, just being willing to say, man, I've had loss in this area of my life. I'm working through it. I'm turning to Jesus. Would you pray for me? And you know what? You never know what God is going to do in ministry right at that moment. You never know what prophetic word, just what touch and that love that God is going to do to just begin a restorative healing season in your life. So don't miss out on the opportunity for prayer, folks. Never just like, ah, that was a good message, but I'm hungry and I'm running for the door. Now the world will wait. Take the opportunity. Take the opportunity. Friends, you're loved. And, and I mentioned in two weeks that there's going to be the possibility for baptism. You'll hear more why next week. It's because we have a God who loves to party. And it's tied into that. No joke. We're, we're going to talk more about that this next week. Don't miss it. But I want to encourage you over the next couple of weeks to think about friends or neighbors or coworkers or people you go to school with that, that are going to get touched in these stories as we continue this series about being lost and found and the heart of God for restoration and for the party and for the celebration. And it's going to be beautiful. And so I'm just going to ask you, man, just really think about that because we don't gather as a church just to like learn more. Hearers of the word but we learn to become doers of the word. So guess what? We get to partner with God in his plan of restoration for the world and for others. Even as we're experiencing, we get to extend that. And how we do it, one of the ways is by saying, hey, check, come and check this out, come with me. And uh, kind of culminating on Super Bowl Sunday in two weeks. So friends, man, have a blessed week. Come and receive prayer. And those in the courtyard, Dana's out there as well. Wave Dana so everybody sees you, knows you, and uh, you guys are loved. We'll, uh, we'll see you again next Sunday.